Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Tell Me Slither podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today, a man who hates gnomes. I don't fully understand it. Andrew <laughs> Rodriguez. How you doing today, Andrew? I'm good, man. And you know what? Those gnomes know what they did. Okay. Yeah. That's why you don't keep any in your yard or on your person, I guess. Absolutely not. I really need to find something to ward them off to. They're going to start casting spells on me. They are sneaky motherfuckers. I feel like if a gnome was going to play a football position, what do you think? Like, running back? Or, like, I feel like low-key they... I think he's the guy that crouches down behind the offensive line where you can't see him, that they hand the ball on the Pomporuski trick play. So, yeah, I'm actually thinking, like, they would make great tight ends because that's, like, a secret skill of the tight end is to be, like, to just disappear in coverage and then pop back up. So I feel like... You know, I feel, Texas defense, that happens a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Most defenses, I've seen the Saints pull it off quite a few times. Uh, but since you brought up Georgia Tech, let's talk about last week in college football. Um, Friday, I, it was a Friday night matchup, and surprise, surprise, uh, after a pretty rough first half, Georgia Tech like went to town on Louisville, scoring... Outscoring them in the second half, thirty-six to six. Um, I actually looked at the numbers, so I've heard a lot of people hyping up the offense, but the numbers don't look that great statistically. Um, Andrew, what did you see as far as the offense goes in this game? Was it was it more about just dominating the running game or getting good possession position yeah, positioning from turnovers? I think this is the perfect game where you look at turnovers and see how they impact the game. The, the Georgia Tech offense has really struggled against UCF and against Syracuse with turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, just really struggled with them. In this game, they came in and didn't, you know, they, they didn't turn the ball over at all. They forced turnovers, won the turnover battle 0 3. And that's always going to really help you in this game. Kind of showed that the the short fields definitely helped. You know, sixty four yard drive, seventy five yard drive. But you know, then there's one twenty seven yard drive, one you have know, eighteen yard drive for a touchdown at the end of the game. But I, I really liked what I saw from from Jeff Sims. Obviously, Jameer Gibbs is a grown man. Um, I still have a lot of questions about the defense. They gave up more yards, gave up more first downs. They really against the run early in the game. I mean, we are a team that has kind of made second-half adjustments on defense, which is good because it does show the coaches are, you know, they're able to adjust and get better. Uh, we did that against Syracuse and UCF to an extent. The fourth quarter against UCF was just a train wreck. But, uh, and the, the sad part is, is it's a good win. Uh, it's really going to help the team. It's going to try to push some momentum. But we have to play Clemson. Yeah, it doesn't. It never helps when you immediately follow up a win by having to play the number one team in the nation. It's it's also, I guess for me, it was kind of it's always tough watching our team because I feel like, and this is a true statement for a lot of college teams who don't have a stabilizing figure, whether that is the quarterback or the coach, our team gets demoralized very easily. And I think that had something to do with the defense getting run over is they just kind of – there was a point, and you could kind of see it in the second quarter where they were just like, we can't do anything. And then until they started getting turnovers again, 
which is not something you can really quantify. They just weren't really motivated to do anything to stop Louisville. Um, and I don't, I, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got our injury struggles. I think everybody does this year, but I'd like to see like a leader kind of step up on the defense. And I haven't seen that yet. And it seems to be to our detriment that a lot of those guys kind of look lost out there. Just like, well, I did my job. Why, how, why are we still losing? You know, kind of attitude as a, as somebody who has experience, I guess not really as a coach, but on the sideline, is there a management plan for that kind of attitude, or is it just I mean, suck it up? That attitude, you've already got problems. Because I mean, if you don't have guys flying the ball, if you don't have guys working together, you know, if you have guys when something happens, want to point fingers and look at, at other guys, that's already kind of a locker room teetering on an issue because they're all in this together, they're all a team, and if you start blaming each other, it's just going to fall apart quickly. Uh, I think some of the issues, we've got a, some personnel issues. I think in some places, you know, we've always struggled with a pass rush, which I think most teams that don't recruit at the, the top ten, top tier level are going to have pass rush things because there's so few really good defensive linemen out there and everyone wants them. So it's a position that you really have to develop talent and depth, and we're starting to do that. Uh, I've got a lot of questions about some of our linebackers. We really struggle to fit runs at times and play with our eyes. And then the safeties are pretty good. But again, like there's, there's just – we're also a young team. I think that's the thing that I always have to keep reminding myself is we're still a really, really young team. And so that's kind of where we look at it is, is a lot of these guys are still learning, are still developing. And so you're hoping that, like you said, like that can, can develop. Again, I, I think the biggest thing, especially because it's struggling against the run, I mean, we gave up five yards a carry. You know, Louisville ran for 242 yards. Again, I think they don't turn the ball over, they win this game. But that's all about fits, defensive linemen, and it's still places that we, we struggle both from, from a talent standpoint just because we're never, I think, going to be that talented on the defensive line. And we've got linebackers that I, I don't I don't want to call it individual players because I don't think that's right. But they'll talk about linebackers. Oh, you know this kid really likes to study film and he's like a coach on the field. Da da da. But then you turn the tape on and he doesn't play well with his eyes. He, he misfits. He misreads. And you're like, well, he might study all the film, but he doesn't seem to be learning a lot. Yeah, I mean you can watch as much as you want and it doesn't change. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily make you. Improve. Yeah, I mean it's all about how you read. You know, at the point of attack, when the ball stays, you know, how do you read the game more so than, than just Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I guess from my perspective, it's kind of like I could play NCAA all day long and it would not make me a better quarterback, you know? But that's also, that's also, I'm just not built that way as an athlete. And I think that's to an extent what we're dealing with. Some of these guys are just not that natural level of athlete that makes any sense yeah i get it so yeah i mean that's kind of what we're looking at uh do you have any i'm just going to touch on it now because i don't want to cover it in the upcoming week but uh do you have any thoughts about georgia tech playing clemson uh i, I think we're all kind of on the same page they don't really have a chance i think <laughs> honestly espn was pretty nice giving us like a five percent chance of winning Four and a half. Uh, we're 27 point underdog 
closer game than it was last year where it was like 51 to 14 or 51 to 21 or something. You know, I mean, if we could come out and look decent for a quarter, I mean, this is going to be a game where you got to look at small victory where, where the fun. Now, if we come out, lay an egg, turn the ball over six times and don't score any points, and then you're really – I think you're going to have an issue because Clemson's better than you. They're going to win this game, but you got to show fight and be competitive. Um, it's kind of like I talked about with the Miami game last year where if we, by some miracle, keep it within two touchdowns and keep it – you know, if we keep it to a close game and, like, Clemson scores a little extra late to pull away – uh, again, you can look at that and say, you know, it's not a win, but there's a lot of good that came from it. I think that's what we really need to focus on is, you know, not turning the ball over. Can we get a couple of stops? Can we score some points? Can we look like we at least kind of belong on the same field playing the same sport? Yeah, and you gotta you gotta feel like you you know you're a team at the same level and you're an up and coming team. You gotta hope that we put in at least enough effort, and I think. For me, though, the key turnaway is I hope Jim Jeffsons cannot can avoid getting really rattled because I think this this is definitely a game where as a freshman quarterback, you come in, you throw three interceptions and you're just gone. You know if that makes any sense. Uh, if he can manage, yeah, I mean, this, this is probably going to be one of the best front fours we're going to play all year. I mean, Clemson's young in their front four, but man, there's a lot of talent there. Yeah, I think if he can just manage to avoid turnovers, and I guess part of that's also on the coaching to make sure he's not making risky throws. But if he can uh, limit his turnovers, if he has, I, I'd just be happy with that, you know. Uh, anyway, moving on to the rest of the games of last week. So most of the teams in the top five didn't have a problem, but there were two in particular that that ran into kind of a wall, as it were. So Alabama and Old Miss was a, uh, I was going to say, more exciting game than I expected. I don't know what your thoughts are uh, about the Lane Kiffin situation over there. But, uh, you know, these Mississippi schools, they look like they're developing some pretty good coaching. Uh, but it was a shootout. Uh, Alabama won 63-48. Uh, Najee, Najee Harris might be the front runner for the Heisman after that game because he put up 206 yards and five touchdowns. But, uh, man, that was uh, crazy. I think uh, I commented on the group chat that uh, this was the least amount of defense I'd seen Alabama play. And I I don't think they had anything to do with them stealing signs. I think Lane Kiffin's just a smart coach, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out. Uh, But, yeah, I know – you had some comments about it. What were your thoughts on the game in general? That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and in terms of sign stealing, I mean, the thing about that to me is if, if your signs aren't disguised enough and the other team can't steal them, that's your own fault. I think uh, I saw a post online that's like, if this guy's been off your team for two years and he still knows your signs, that yeah, sounds like, like a problem. Your signs. Yeah, like that's, I, I have no sign-stealing is part of the game, you know, to put you behind the curtain a little bit. Everyone tries to steal signs. Like, it's an integral part of college football. So getting mad and complaining about it, I think, is one of the dumbest things out there. But, like, this game is so crazy to look at the drive charts because um, only four drives did no one score any points. Like, in your second half goes touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. 
Right. The problem is two drives in the second half, Ole Miss kicked field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. And as soon as they kicked the field goal, because it was 42 all, Alabama scored, Ole Miss kicked a field goal. As soon as they kicked that field goal, I go, they've lost this game. Because no. they can't stop Alabama, but Alabama can't stop them. And you traded three points for seven points. Well, I, I absolutely can't fault them for the decision. I think it was like fourth and 17 or something. It was fourth and very long when they kicked that fourth field goal. Fourth and 14, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. So I can't fault the decision. But no, I had the exact same thought. As soon as I saw them line up in field goal position, I was like, uh, this better be a fake. Otherwise, they just lost the game. <laughs> they, they... This game was just nuts. Matt Coral for Ole Miss was 21 of 28 for 365 yards. I think his uh, leading receiver, Kenny Yeboa, is that how it's pronounced? He's a tight end. Yeah, he's a tight end. 181 yards off seven receptions and two touchdowns. Just like no one decided to play defense. I don't it was, like a, it was like a Big 12 game. Yeah, and that's the crazy part. Well, and we were talking about this. We'll talk about Leach later, but I mean, again, if these coaches really develop in the SEC, this could be what we're looking at in the future. This is. Oh, yeah. I, I was. Honestly, I was more surprised that Alabama was able to keep up, although I don't know much about Old Miss's defense, but like the way they were scoring, I was like, man. I'm surprised Alabama's able to keep running down and hey, as quickly hey, as they man. are. You put some respect on Mac Jones's name. I, I have to now. 417 yards, two touchdowns. He only threw four incompletions. That's crazy. Yeah, but he had four and Matt Coral had seven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just, just so insane. I'm just still looking at Nazi Harris. 206 <laughs> yards and five touchdowns. That's ridiculous. Oh, yep. that's that's gotta be up there. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, that game was just nuts. Um, And I'm hoping it warms up Alabama for the game this week, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. The other crazy one, honestly, I just wrote this off, so I kind of missed the upset. You're going to have to tell me if you watched it. Texas A&M coming up with the second half upset over Florida. I did not see this coming at all. Uh Isaiah Spiller, no small part, 174 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Kellen Mond, 338, three touchdowns. But, man, oh, man, uh, it looked like Texas A&M was falling apart when I shut off the game. Andrew, what happened? You know, I didn't really watch a lot of this game either. Uh, You know, Texas A&M being able to run the ball for 5.4 yards yards per carry really probably helped. Florida couldn't run the ball at all. Um, I think that's a really big part of it is Florida struggled offensively. Um, uh, you know, it's just a weird – what? Yeah. Hold on now. I'm looking at the play-by-play, and I'm trying – so there's a downs touchdown thing. Touchdowns per downs thing? No, so – both teams score a touchdown at the same time. Uh, That's not possible. This, all right, so first of all, the play-by-play is broken. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not totally shocked by this, but all right. Like, I'm legitimately trying to look at the play-by-play, and it's broken. Maybe like a kick return? I don't know. No, because so, all right, so that would be 
So it was it was seven to seven, and Florida scored. Cool. And then like this says fourteen plays minus seven yards, and both teams scored a touchdown. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I think I think the big thing was that the offense for A and M in the second half punted once and fumbled once. They scored touchdowns on every other drive. And, you know, they, they made the plays they needed. Florida was tied 38-38, turned the ball over. I mean, it's another game where the, the turnover battle was even the late turnover by Florida is what kind of did them in. Um, I, again, I think the Florida offense that we expected, Kyle Trask came out and threw the ball a lot and threw any interceptions, but Florida just couldn't run the ball. You know, I think that really hurt them a lot. The time of possession was dominated by Texas A&M, so it kept that Florida offense off the field. Um, I was really excited. The Florida uh, LSU game getting canceled kind of doesn't give me a chance to A, see if LSU is any good, and then to see what else happened. Yeah, well, Florida had some interesting takes about the whole uh, COVID situation down there. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised about what happened. I think the coach called it the sniffles, if I'm remembering that correctly. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I'm not too blown away that they have a lot of cases popping up over there. And also the fact that the – was it the president or was it also the coach that said they needed to fill up the stadium this weekend? I know it was Dan Mullen. I don't know if anyone else said it, but I know Mullen was one of the big – the big one talking about it. So I guess the other two games that I want to talk about from last week, one of which was probably the one you were watching. I'm going to take – Yes. Was it North Carolina-Virginia Tech? I did watch that game. Yeah, because that one was going on at the same time as the Florida A&M game. And we've got one more that we'll get to in a second. But anyway, tell me about Florida – sorry, tell me about North Carolina-Virginia Tech. Because this was another game I turned off, and it did not surprise me uh, when I saw the final score. North Carolina kind of ran away with this game after the first quarter where they just scored 21 nothing against Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. The problem is in the third quarter, Virginia Tech really kind of turned it on. I didn't watch a lot of the third quarter, so I'm not 100% sure what happened. Um, Looks like it's... down to 37 to 42, and then Carolina just scored twice and said, all right, cool. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's interesting because you – North Carolina is a really interesting team because they they almost they ran for almost 400 yards. So let's remember that. Like they averaged 9.3 yards per carry. <laughs> you know, Michael Carter with 214 yards, Javante Williams with 169 yards. <laughs> the Carolina came out and ran the ball, which, given their backfield, makes 100% sense to me. I mean, their backfield, their running backs are incredibly talented. Yeah, but it looks like there was a, a something wonky happened in the third quarter. You know, I can't really put a finger on it. They just kind of forgot to play defense for a little while, apparently. Hmm. But, I, I guess. I feel like it's also kind of one of those situations where you get uh, you get uh, teams in a situation uh, where they have to catch up and suddenly they become much more dangerous until you're able to put them away. And I think that might have been what happened with North Carolina, uh, similar to what might have happened in the Texas-Oklahoma game. So the Red River shootout, that was a very apt 
title because this was a shootout for sure. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas duped it out, went to four overtimes before Oklahoma was finally able to put it away. I will give props to Sam Ellinger. Statistically, it doesn't look great. Uh, 30 for 53, 287 yards and two touchdowns. But he, we were talking about leadership earlier, and I think his leadership was really what was keeping Texas in this game. Uh, because for the most part, Texas was playing catch-up the entire way until it got to overtime. They were just trying to hang in there, and they did manage to do it at least until it got to overtime. I think it was the – and the, there was just some weird chicanery going on. I think there were in the overtime, I think they had like two missed field goals, which of course were jinxed probably by the announcers because I think they did that thing where they're like, oh, this Oklahoma kicker hadn't missed and yada yada. But yeah, so it was, that was just another nutso game. But I think for me, the key thing is this kind of takes both Texas and Oklahoma out of the running, which was something we were worried about. Uh, and brought up last week. And it also puts Iowa State in the driver's seat to win the Big 12 now that both of those teams have two losses. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Again, you might have been watching other matchups, so I don't know. But what did you catch of this game, and what were your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um, Sam Ellinger running for 112 yards and four touchdowns is pretty cool. You know, I think he pretty much, like, tried to will Texas to victory. But, yeah, the weirdness on – the overtimes that were, I know at least Oklahoma missed a field goal to win the game, which was nuts. Um, and Texas, uh, sometimes you just out, don't, you know, there were 22 points scored by OU in the overtime, in four overtimes. So, you know, kudos to Texas for fighting back, scoring two touchdowns in the fourth to take it to overtime, but, you know, sometimes you just come up short. Yeah. Well, and again, I am interested to see what this means for the Big 12 and we've got a few teams that are now out not playing this week so that kind of makes things a little more interesting but you know you're looking at a Kansas State that's currently 3-0 you're looking at Iowa State that's currently 3-0 Kansas State already played Oklahoma Uh, Iowa State I forgot who they played I think they both have both teams still on the schedule but you know, you're looking at you've got some teams where this could be their year um, in the Big 12, which, you know, considering for the past how long it's been, it's just Oklahoma or Texas. This could be an exciting turn of events. Granted, it probably takes those uh, the Big 12 out of the playoff contention, but it still gives me more to cheer about. I think down the line, does uh, – does having them out of the playoffs, you know, concern you, or do you think it's still a possibility somebody sneaks in, Andrew? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Big 12 fan, so I don't really care that deeply, but uh, you never know. There could be always be some craziness at the top where you get a lot of two-loss teams and say, like, a one-loss Iowa State might get a shot. You know, Iowa State, their loss was to Lafayette, right? Yes. So, I mean, a lot of their – what happens is pinches on their winning games Lafayette having a really good season. So, like, if Lafayette, you know, doesn't lose again and wins the Sun Belt, then, you know, they can point and go, hey, you know, yeah, we lost to Lafayette, but it was a really good Lafayette did you, team. Did you bring that up just to bring out that the fact that they lost uh, Let's go to the Santa Clairs this week? I have no idea what, like, the sound or the cheers or anything for Coastal Carolina. Um, I know they're in Conway, South Carolina, which is 
outside of Myrtle Beach, um, and their field is painted in a really weird way, but yeah. But it, yeah, I'm just kind of looking at the numbers. I'm like, Iowa State, I know Kansas State just has to play Texas. Iowa State also beat Oklahoma, so they just have to play Texas. And I guess Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State might be the team to look. Well, yeah. Oklahoma State's currently undefeated, but they have to yeah. go through both of those teams. They have to go through Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, I forget, did West Virginia? Yeah, they've lost, right? I, I'm blanking on West Virginia for some reason. I feel like they lost a few games that I just can't recall, but yeah. Maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so I mean, it, it could be. And then I know Baylor's been out, uh, had some problems. Yeah, West Virginia already lost to Oklahoma State, so they're probably out of it. Um, and Baylor lost to West Virginia, so yeah, I think you're looking at Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I want to say Kennesaw State. And uh, Iowa State, yeah, this could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma State's going to be the favorite, but like you said, they haven't played Texas or Oklahoma yet, so. Last two I want to point out, uh, Boston College did come through this week, last week against uh, Pittsburgh, which was something we hyped up. Jerkovic playing very well, 358 yards, three touchdowns. Um, very talented guy. Uh, and, again, not an air raid offense, but they – very heavy passing attack coming out of that team. Zay Flowers, who I'm not sure what his position is. Okay. I was like, after the tight end earlier, I was concerned. But 162 yards, three touchdowns, very impressive out of Boston College. Uh, one team I will defer to you because I still am not 100% sure what to make of it. Mississippi State uh, almost got shut out against Kentucky. Luckily, there was a safety in the third quarter. But KJ Costello, four interceptions. That's probably had something to do with it. But what's your take? I guess we we were joking, I think, the first week they played that it was going to be tough for people to figure out the Mike Leach offense. Is that what's happening? Or is it just kind of maybe KJ Costello's got to find confidence? What's your take? Yeah, I think it's just there's a lot of learning because Costello had four interceptions and his backup who played had two interceptions. So they had six total interceptions. <laughs> yeah, Which, you don't uh, don't usually turn the good. If you turn the ball. You only turn the ball over once, so you were minus five in the turnover battle. Yeah, when you turn the ball over that much, it's not going to end well for you, no matter what. Yeah, no matter how well you play. So. If we get six turnovers against Clemson, if Clemson gives us six turnovers, we might win against Clemson, but uh, that's probably not going to happen. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Leach turns it around, but he's got the probably the toughest part of his schedule remaining. I think the easiest game is probably Vanderbilt. Everyone else is a powerhouse. Texas A&M, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and... I guess Mississippi, which Ole Miss, which we just saw them rack up against Alabama, and Mizzou, who just beat. Uh, granted, it's a weaker LSU team, but they did just beat LSU. So, uh, it it's not going to be an easy schedule, certainly. But hopefully, the, the SEC never really is an easy schedule. Oh, have you turned into an SEC hype man now? Like he's got that tough SEC schedule. You got to make it through. You got A&M, you got Georgia, you got Florida. You got LSU when they're usually pretty good. Like, 
just look at the recruiting rankings, like the rolling five year and Jordan's or the the SEC always has like seven or eight teams in the top twenty five. Like I think one year I was looking at it, Mississippi State had like the twenty third highest ranked recruiting class in the country, but they were twelfth in the SEC. Yeah, that sounds about right. With only Vanderbilt. Like the talent's just there. I mean, that's that's the craziness. Um, you know, I mean, I'm gonna look just because I'm interested. So the 2020, um, 24/7 football recruiting rankings. Um, Georgia one, Alabama two, LSU four, A&M six, Auburn seven, Florida nine, Tennessee ten, South Carolina nineteen. Kentucky 25th, Mississippi State 28th, Arkansas 30th, Ole Miss 34th, uh, I feel like I'm missing some people. Yeah, I mean, Missouri 51st, Vanderbilt 53rd, and I think that's it. Even Vandy coming in 53rd, that's pretty, like, like, incredible. But, yeah, I mean... Like, Mississippi State finished 28th in recruiting, and they were 10th in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's just... How good they are. Uh, I mean, but, and how, how much they sell themselves. Well, but, and then there's, there's so much talent in the footprint. I mean, that's the other side of it is, is Florida, Georgia, Texas, Alabama... You know Mississippi, like those five states have so much high school talent. Texas, I don't know if I already said Texas, but like those states have so much high school talent. You know, and the SEC is able to kind of keep a lot of the best part of that talent home. Did you see? So he's not going to play quarterback, but you brought up talent, and I just wanted to kind of work this in here for some reason. Did you see the two hundred seventy-five pound high school quarterback? I did not. I posted it to the sports chat. Uh, his, he had committed to Iowa State, but I think he's going to end up playing defensive tackle. But yeah, he's just—he's so big. I love. I think they had a comment where it's like the commentator is like, "Well, the commentator here said that he pushed him out of the pocket, but that's not how that works when you're up against a 275-pound, six-foot-one quarterback." Did you? Uh, did you see Virginia starting quarterback for this week? Is Lindell Snow, who is six foot two forty? No, I have not, but that sounds and very similar. Has like a beer gut. <laughs> I'm not shocked. I'll be watching. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I also think that now that people are realizing that Zion is athletic at that size, I think you're going to see bigger guys try and take care, of, take uh, advantage of their athleticism. All right. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> at that man. Look at that man. <laughs> Let's see. I'll try and post it. I think uh, I just don't want that to come up. But yeah, it's the. They don't have a just straight up picture of him, but they've got some videos. I guess you can't really watch it right now. But this guy is fucking big. You'll have to watch it, and we'll talk about it next week. But yeah. Um. No, it's not the robot. That's a joke. Um, I was really excited about the robot. <laughs> no, but, but anyway, uh, so yeah, moving on to this week and off of the topic of chubby quarterbacks, as much as we love talking about them. So let's just get into, I think, the only key matchup. There's some other matchups that really in, that intrigue me and that I'm probably going to watch, 
But let's be real. There's only one matchup that we are really excited about, and it's probably going to be very close. Georgia at Alabama. Saban's out. He's got COVID, so he's not going to be on the sideline coaching. Uh, Georgia has dominated everybody they've played so far. Alabama struggled last week against Ole Miss. Uh, uh, do we have reason to be worried? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I think you always do. You know, Georgia's really, really good defensively. Um, I think I still have a lot of questions about the offense, especially Stetson Bennett the fourth. Uh, I think he's very much a a Jake Fromm style quarterback, where if you don't force him to win the game, he's got enough weapons around him that he can go out and win the game. Now, with a defense like Alabama, or what we thought was an Alabama defense, you know, who knows what happens after the Ole Miss game. You know, if they're able to pressure and, and shut the run down and force Bennett to try to win the game, I think there's a lot of questions there. Um, Alabama's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They're a 60.6% chance to win. Um, and so that's kind of... My thought is I want Alabama to win because, you know, I do not care for Georgia. But I think it's going to be a close game. Well, uh, I think it's definitely going to be a yeah, – I don't think it'll be like the Ole Miss game. Like, I don't see this to be a really high-scoring game. The over-under is 56. I am very worried. We, we brought this up earlier. It's such a difference to have somebody who can take leadership from the coaching position or some other position. And I think they're going to have plenty of players that can do leadership. But missing a coach like Saban to have him on the sideline to be able to make the play calls, that's that's a huge loss. It cannot be understated. The now, you know, effect... to be fair, Saban doesn't call plays. <laughs> okay. He, I mean, he's not the coordinator. I mean, Alabama's very much in the offense and the defensive coordinators call the plays. Now, Saban's obviously a huge part of all of that and the game planning, but I don't think he technically calls the plays. Well, uh, I think so. I guess hopefully, eh, we'll see. We'll see. I do think that it, I, it may be not as big of an impact as I'm making it out to be, but I am very worried. I I do think it's going to be a very big detriment to not have him on the sideline. Uh, does it count if Kirby is the first like graduate of the school of Saban to beat Alabama? Does it count since Saban's not on the sideline? Can you? It does not count. Okay, can't beat Saban if Saban isn't there. He's not there, it doesn't count. <laughs> Bam. Gotcha, Kirby. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Who do you have in this game, though? Do you uh, actually have a strong opinion, or are you just going to keep us guessing? I like Alabama. I mean, again, I think that they're going to be talented enough on defense to force – Stetson Bennett to try to win the game, and I just don't think he's got the talent to do it himself. He hasn't looked great, honestly. I think the impressive part of Georgia has been the running game. Their passing game has gotten better, but it's usually in the second half once things have already gotten out of hand, if that makes any sense. So I've got much more confidence in Alabama. Now, the defense didn't give me a lot to be happy about last week, but that's also just a magnificent coordinator uh, or head coach, I guess, rather uh, from Old Miss and Lane Kiffin. So, I don't know. We'll see. This this will be an interesting matchup. I've got Bama, but it wouldn't take much, you know, turnovers. It wouldn't take much to make it go the other way. So No, I agree. I mean, again, as we saw in the Georgia Tech game and Georgia Tech seasons, like, turnovers are a huge part of the game. Yeah. 
Um, so let's go ahead and knock out a couple of other games just for the hell of it. So, boss, <laughs> I'll go ahead and get uh, Elizabeth's game out of the way. People are hyping this one up like it might be something. I don't see it. North Carolina reaching up to number five in the nation going on the road to Florida State. Uh, so this game's on ABC. People are hyping it up like Florida State's going to do something. They haven't done anything all year. Uh, I think they only beat like an FCS team, right? So what am I, yes. what am I supposed to take away from this matchup? <laughs> North- uh, I don't. I mean, it shouldn't be close. Um, Florida State did shift quarterbacks to to Travis, who's a better athlete, but I think they've just got a lot of issues. And that, that North Carolina defense offense is just so good, and their ability to run the ball is just incredible. And Florida State's not. This isn't the Florida State we're used to seeing. UNC's 13.5-point favorite. Um, I mean, I'm always leery just because I'm kind of – Elizabeth's kind of rubbed off on me about how you should never have expectations. They're kind of like George Stack. You should never expect them to do something because they'll just be disappointed. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they they should win this game pretty – it shouldn't be a, a much of a fight. It does. It is interesting because now we got the ACC with three teams in the top five. If you count Notre Dame, which technically we should be counting them this year, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think for North Carolina, this is going to be a big prove me game. Even though it shouldn't be much of a game, you, Florida State does have talent. You got to take them seriously, and you can't let the fact that you're suddenly number five in the nation go to your head. Whereas you know, with Notre Dame and Clemson. They've kind of been there, so it's not that weird for them to beat that. North Carolina hasn't had this opportunity in, I don't know the last time they were in the top five. Probably years. It, it probably was the first time Mac Brown was there in that. Yeah, so, I mean, this is going to be a big prove-me game for North Carolina. I think they'll win it, but they can't let it get in their heads, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, some other matchups. Um, I do want to point out, uh, we, we talked about, uh, the other top five teams. Clemson plays Georgia Tech. Sorry, Georgia Tech. They're going to kill us. Uh, nothing we can do about that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Louisville had Notre Dame. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame's going to win that one. Low-key matchup, low-key matchup that interests me, though. Duke at NC State. That could be a fun game. Um, NC State's looked like the better team this year, but this is one of those matchups where I think both teams line up well against each other. And in the past, we've seen a lot of upsets in this in this kind of these kind of matchups. Duke bounced back after a really good game against Syracuse, which I mean I didn't think they were going to win, but uh, they looked pretty good against them. And uh, so now they're going to have something to prove against NC State if they want to show that they're a good team. And uh, I think that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, you have any takes on the NC, in-state rivalry between Duke? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Duke has had kind of the same issue with Georgia Tech. They've turned the ball over a lot. Uh, I'm actually under the impression they've turned the ball over more than Georgia Tech, which is, like, dear God. Um, so I think it's one if they control the turnovers. This has a good chance to be a closer game than we – it's a four-and-a-half-point spread in NC State's favor. So, I mean, it's, it's not a game that they're expecting someone to run away with. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it could be a, a low-key kind of game to keep an eye on. Uh, another matchup, just because we're keeping an eye on them now, Boston College on the road at Virginia Tech. 
that could be a fun game. Boston College has been showing off this new kind of offense that they've got, really putting up a fair number of yards. They did struggle. The best comparison I can think of is, you know, UNC, they kept it really close, and they were one big play away from kind of, I'm not going to say breaking it open, but from winning that matchup. It would have been a very close, tight-knit game. And uh, I think Virginia Tech's a very comparable team in a lot of ways. So expect that to be a close, closely fought matchup, uh, especially in Blacksburg. Uh, do you yeah, ever? I don't, I, don't, I don't know how that game's a 12-point spread. Like, it's crazy that Virginia Tech's a 12-point favorite in that game because that doesn't make any sense to me. I absolutely think Boston College is probably the better team. Uh, you know, they both, they both lost to UNC. Uh, they both beat Duke. So, I mean, the difference is Duke put up a good bit of points on Virginia Tech, whereas they took up Boston College. And especially, again, like I talked about with the UNC game, depending on who's healthy for Virginia Tech, they've had a ton of COVID outs and injuries and just all kind of fun stuff like that. So, again, I don't know how it's a 12-point spread. I think this will be a fun, close game to watch. Um, it's a 7 p.m. ACC network game opposite the UNC game, so. Well, and it's even, it's interesting to me because I'm thinking back now to the way they played UNC. I mean, this might be opposite how we think because Boston College has had some pretty good defensive showings against both UNC and Duke, whereas Virginia Tech's really made it up by scoring a lot. So this could be like a flip the script kind of scenario where uh, you've got, pretty good offenses on both sides and you've got defensives that are uh you know historically stout i don't know what to make of this this i'm hoping it'll be a close matchup but it might be like a matchup where the first person to score 17 points wins the game for all i know uh we'll see i'm excited to see how it plays out but uh it's it's hard to say at this point um I think the only other one that I really had on my list was probably UCF at Memphis, which has historically been a fun game in the American. Not as many stakes this time around, but I think these are two of the better offenses in the American Conference, so that could be a fun one to watch. Uh, I wouldn't expect too much. The other one that I would have picked, Cincinnati at Tulsa, with a surprisingly (laughs) robust Tulsa team. Uh, that got postponed, so we'll have to wait a few weeks before that gets played. But uh, that's, uh, those are the games I'm kind of watching for. Andrew, do you have any other games you want to highlight before we... Yeah, I think I think Ole Miss at Arkansas is a really interesting game. Because Ole Miss is 1-2 with losses to number 5 Florida, number 2 Alabama. And Arkansas is 1-2 with losses to number 4 Georgia, number 13 Auburn. So I'm really interested to see if Ole Miss is as good as they've looked against Alabama and come in and just run away with this game. You know, how deep, you know, how far along in the rebuild is Arkansas with the Mississippi State win? Does Mississippi State turn the ball over and Arkansas is not a good team? So that this is kind of a low-key, just kind of fun SEC network game at 2.30 to watch. Well, and we talked about it being a prove-me game this week for UNC. Uh, this could... <laughs> It's kind of a different scenario, but for Arkansas, this could be a prove-me game against Ole Miss where it's like, if they win, this could be a huge bolster for uh, the coaching staff considering like their last win, the win against Mississippi State, that was one of their first wins in the SEC in the past like two years or so. 
they don't win in the SEC a lot. They're usually the perennial whipping boy of the West. So if they come in and they beat an Ole Miss who just went toe-to-toe with Alabama last year, that could be a huge motivational factor for Arkansas. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've got I would have Ole Miss by a few points. I don't know what the actual spread says. I don't, I don't suppose you got it up right now. Um, I, I think I think Ole Miss is a two and a half point favorite, two point favorite. Yeah. Now the over under is seventy five, so they don't expect anyone to play defense. They they're doing that crappy thing. ESPN's doing that thing again. Arkansas is fifty seven point four percent favored. But and Ole Miss, yeah. I don't understand. But anyway, yeah. So clearly they're expecting it to be a tight matchup one way or the other. Uh, any other any other matches you wanted to highlight? I think um, I'll, I'll probably keep an eye on the Virginia Wake Forest game. I really like Wake Forest offense schematically. I think it's really fun to watch what Dave Clawson does there. Um, as, as well as both teams are kind of towards the bottom, the bottom end. So we'll kind of see if if Mendenhall's got they are Virginia. They were really good last year. They kind of struggled this year, and then. Wake Forest is in a bit of a rebuild. Uh, Georgia Southern, Ole UMass, another three o'clock game. I just love Georgia Southern. Uh, they're a thirty-one point favorite game. It's probably not worth watching. Um, I do want to point out that Army uh, plays UTSA at twelve thirty. You know that I'm going to watch Army football. Oh yeah, dude. Well, and Navy's got an interesting matchup too. Uh, they oh, against TCU, yeah. yeah. Which could be a fun matchup down here, although I'd still expect them to beat ECU. Um, and two and a half point favorites on the road at Greenville. I do want to. I do want to bring up since you brought up the claw fence. Uh, one of your old friends at uh, from the Rumble seat. I think Chris. My question this week was: Have you played Among Us? And if you had to pick an ACC coach who was an imposter, who would it be and why? Chris is like, it's obviously Dave Clawson. He's he's hiding. He's hate. He's, no. He's hiding at Wake no, Forest. He makes no sounds, no waves. I guarantee he's one of the least number of people in the that people would think of as an ACC coach. He is so under the radar. Nothing but sus. <laughs> it's just like, damn, dude. <laughs> I would have picked Mac Brown personally, but I, I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, this week. No, I was pretty happy with that one. Oh. That, is, that is a really good one. I like that one a lot. Uh, you're going to have to, probably not next week, but I think the week after you're going to have to keep out uh, an eye out for it. But, yeah, I do like the – Yeah, I need, to, I need to be better about the, the mailbag. I've been getting some good questions in. Um, but, yeah. Frank Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Carter's answer. None of y'all think Collins is sus, and I think that's super, super sus. sus. It's clearly. I think you gave your answer last week. You said Collins was sus. So yeah, I, mean, I, I saw the man dance. He didn't even know what he. So, uh, also, Arkansas eight up seven and nothing on Georgia State for the Thursday night game. If anybody wants to watch, ooh, actually SMU Tulane on Friday. SMU's a six and a half point favorite at Tulane. I will probably watch that game just because I, I have a soft spot for the angry wave. I think that'll be a good matchup, too. Tulane's beat expectations, but I think uh, SMU will eventually walk away the winner in that matchup. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's all we got for this week. Thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. Andrew, thank you for being here with me. And uh, until next time, y'all have a safe, happy week. Good night, everybody. Doop.
Suck my dick. Can I edit that out? 